I want to preach a Father's Day sermon this morning. Now, here's the problem. It's always the problem when you preach Mother's Day sermons, Father's Day sermons. Like, everybody's not a father. If you're on a Mother's Day sermon, everybody's not a mother. Listen, I'm going to preach a Father's Day message, but everything I'm going to say can be applied wherever you are in life. Matters not. You can, we'll focus on the father part, but you just, if you're not a father, you just take it and apply it. And what I want to talk about this morning is that fathers are the leaders of the home. They really are. That's what God teaches in the Bible. Now, mothers, you know, I was thinking about, you know, even this morning, I was thinking about mothers this morning. Mothers, you know, I don't have a verse in the Bible, but they're more like, they're more like a, if I had to just compare them to something, what they do, they're like a thermostat. Like, for example, uh, if a mother is in a dither, the home will be in a dither. If the mother is one of these real disorganized people, everything about the house will be disorganized. That's just, if the mother is at peace with herself, There'll be peace in the home. I mean, you know, just like a thermostat. You turn it up and you turn it down, and, and that, that's, how that, that's how that deal works. You know, if a mother is happy, like a happy mother, that home will just have a lot of happiness in it. You know, and of course, what's that old saying? If, if mama ain't happy, what? You bet you're right on that. Well, I hope those of us that are not mothers... I hope you had a happy mother, and if you're still at home, you have a happy mother. Well, what about fathers? Well, fathers, they are to be the leaders in the home. The Bible is very, very clear about that. In fact, every father is a leader, either a good leader or a bad leader, but they're leaders. I'm a father. I either am a good leader or a bad leader as a father. Now, my my sons are both grown, so I'm not raising them, but I still have leadership responsibilities as as the situation might present itself, and if they might ask about this or that and yonder, I'm not to direct them like when they were living at home with us, things change. But, But here's the bottom line to that. Our leadership, a father's leadership, outlives the father. Now, you think about that. My father has gone to be with the Lord. But many things about how my father led as an earthly father when I was growing up, those things, they still live. My dad's not alive. But, and, that's, and that's not only true for fathers. It's, it's true for mothers. You know, that, that's why God doesn't judge us until the end of the world. Folks say, it looks like God would just judge us when we die. It's over. No, it's not over. No, no. When you die, your influence lives on and impacts people beyond what we'll ever understand. And in the end, when we stand before God and are judged, by works, whether they be good or bad, I'm talking about Christian people now. Uh, all of that will be taken into account. It's, it's a very somber matter. Now, I want you to open your Bible if you're to Luke chapter 15. You're very familiar with the chapter. Luke 15, 
has these three well-known parables. So if you'll open your Bible to Luke 15, we're just going to look at them. And what these, the parable we're going to look is the third and the last of the parable. Of course, you have the parable first of the lost sheep. Then you have the parable of the lost coin. And then you have the parable of the lost son. And we are more familiar probably with that than we are the other two. Let me just say a quick word. It's interesting to me, the parable of the lost sheep and the parable of the lost coin, the, 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 the emphasis on pursuing what is lost. Like if you look at the first parable, you know, when the, when the guy had 99 sheep and, and one was lost, okay, and he pursued to find the lost sheep. And that's somewhat the emphasis of this parable. The lost coin, the lady lost of the coin in the house. And you read that parable that Jesus told, and it said she swept and cleaned and did everything she could to find the coin. She pursued the lost coin. Now, when we come to the parable of the lost son, uh, it, it's, it's not that way at all. The father, the earthly father, does not pursue the lost son. He doesn't go and try to get him to turn around and come back and change. And we'll get into that in a moment. But first, let's just look at the parable. In Luke chapter 15, let's look. Remember, if you look in verse number one, the tax collectors and sinners drew near to Jesus to hear him. And then, <laughs> this is interesting, the Pharisees and the scribes complained, saying, this man, talking about Jesus, receives sinners. Worse than that, he eats with them. So Jesus spoke this parable to them. And here comes the parable of the lost sheep. And then after he told that, these, these Pharisees, <laughs> these scribes are listening to that. Then he tells the parable of the lost coin. Then he tells the parable of the lost son. In verse 11, Jesus said, a certain man had two sons. And the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falls to me. Now, that seems strange to us. You know, in our culture, the children don't get their inheritance till we die. But in Bible times, a, a Jewish custom that was a very normal thing was that children would receive their inheritance before the father died, if that was what was requested. So the, the people listening to this story, they understood exactly what was going on. This is just how it worked. And uh, so the Bible says, Jesus said, uh, the, the father divided to them his livelihood. And not many days after, the younger son gathered all together, journeyed to a far country, and there wasted his possessions with prodigal living. That word prodigal means wasteful living, reckless living. Jesus went on to tell this story. He said, but when he had spent all, there arose a severe famine in that land, and he began to be in want. Then he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country, and he sent him into his fields to feed the swine. Now, Jews have nothing to do with swine, the unclean. Well, here's this Jewish son out feeding. It gets worse than that. It says, and he would gladly have filled his stomach with the pods that the swine ate, and no one gave him anything. Verse 17, but when he came to himself, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have bread enough and to spare, and I perish with hunger. I will arise, go to my father, and will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. 
I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. And verse 20 is a beautiful verse. He arose and came to his father, but when he was still a great way off. Now notice the father didn't go pursuing him, but the father's looking. We'll talk about that in a moment. He's hoping that he'll show up out there in the horizon when his, he, he saw him awake way off and he had compassion. And he then ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and in your sight am no longer worthy to be called your son. Verse 22 is interesting. The father said to his servants, he didn't say anything to the son. He said to his servants, bring out the best robe, put it on him. Put a ring on his hand, sandals on his feet, and bring the fatted calf here and kill it. And let us eat and be merry. For this my son was dead, is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to be merry. Now, verse 25, very sad thing here. His older son, this is the older brother, was in the field. And as he came home and drew near to the house, he heard music and dancing. So he called one of the servants and asked what these things meant. And he said to him, your brother has come. And because he has received him safe and sound, your father has killed the fatted calf. But this older brother was angry and would not go in. Therefore, his father came out. Now, now the father's pursuing his son and pleaded with him. So he answered and said to his father, Lo, these many years I've been serving you. I have never transgressed your commandments at any time. And yet you never gave me a young goat that I might make merry with my friends. But as soon as this son of yours, he doesn't even call him his brother, <laughs> came, who has devoured your livelihood with harlots, you killed a uh, fatted calf for him. And he said to him, Son, you're always with me. All that I have is yours. It was right that we should make merry and be glad for your brother was dead and is alive again. He was lost and now he is found. Now, I know that's a long parable, but I felt we should read it. You know, let me say, just sum that little parable up. What we have in this parable, we have a wonderful uh, word picture, really, of a godly father leader. And what I want us to do in our little time is to see some things about this father that not only fathers, but all of us need to look in our lives and see how we fit in. First of all, we see a redemptive father. If you look back in verse 20, it says he arose, the son did and came to his father, but he's still a great way off. In other words, dad was looking Dad was hoping. Dad had arms open. He was redemptive. Uh, and he had compassion on him. What a picture of our Heavenly Father. He's always arms open, welcome, waiting for us, always redemptive. You know, that's one of the great mistakes, not only fathers, but sometimes both parents might make. Be a redemptive father, be a redemptive mother, but be a redemptive person, whatever. Years ago, in our church in Tennessee, now we're back, we're back now in the, in the 70s, but one Sunday, I had a man named Dr. Tom Madden. He was the 
executive director of Tennessee Baptist. Uh, he came to speak in our church one Sunday morning. He was a wonderful dear man. And Dottie and I and John and Joel, uh, we had Dr. Madden uh, to have lunch in our home after church that morning. And as we were eating, he had three sons grown. At that time, I had John and Joel. They were, they were rather small then and young. And as we were eating along, I said, Dr. Madden, I said, I know your sons at a distance. I know about them. And the boys are, you know, they're young men now, but they, obviously you and Mrs. Madden have done a, a good job. I said, I'm in the process of raising my boys. Uh, give me a word of advice that will help me to be a good father for my boys. Because I respected him and I felt like he had wisdom. He was much older than I was. And he did not even bat an eye. He said, well, he, first of all, he said, I wouldn't be anyone to tell anybody how to be a good father. He said, I, I would feel uncomfortable doing that. But you've asked me a question, and I'll just give you one thought for you to consider. And he said, remember this, always be redemptive. And he went on to say, I have pastored many years. And I've sadly seen some situations where many times it was the father, and sometimes, though, he said it was even the mother, has said to one of their, their children, if you walk out that door, don't ever come back. And he said, I've, I've seen situations where they regretted those words. Those kids never came back. And I would encourage you, whatever your boys do, doesn't mean you approve it, but always be redemptive. Now, folks, that's pretty good wisdom from not only fathers, but mothers. Could I have an amen to that? But you know, beyond that, in all relationships, you know, just what the heavenly father, is he redemptive? Gracious me. I mean, he's always willing if we will repent like this son, ask forgiveness, change our way of doing and living. We have a heavenly father who always has arms wide open. And I just thank the Lord for that. And, you know, I just pray that in your life and I pray in my life, not only in the home situation, but in all relationships, be redemptive and always be willing to accept people back in your circle of friendship, whatever. Let me tell you another thing, though, that I see in this father that I think has much to do with where we are alive. Uh, I, I see in this father of the prodigal uh, an unconditional forgiving father, like he treated him with dignity. Uh, unconditional forgiveness. It, it wasn't this idea, okay, you've come back and you said you're sorry. Now you've spent all I gave you. And what I'm going to do, uh, you know, you're welcome to come on back, but we're just going to kind of have a wait and see. See if this deal's real or not. See if you really mean what you say. No, none of that. None of that. Uh, unconditional forgiveness. Our Heavenly Father, that's, that's how He operates. He no matter what you do, no matter what you say, God in heaven is always unconditionally, arms out, 
available to forgive us when we repent of our sins, whatever they may be, and put them on the blood of Jesus and let the let that just wash them away, and we don't have to worry. Now, sometimes we have a hard time forgiving ourselves, but the Heavenly Father, He always forgives us. And then I see in this Father, uh, I'm going to call it an extra mile Father, uh, an extra mile Father. I, I tried this morning to think how to better say that, but look in verse 28. We have this older brother here. It says, he was angry, and he would not go into the, to the party. In other words, he was having a, a pity party. He was having a temper tantrum. Uh, he's, just, he's just not doing what he should. And, and his, the Bible says his father came out and, and pleaded with him. Uh, he, he didn't come out and scold him. He came out and pleaded with him. I, as I thought about that even this morning, I thought, that, that's so how God is. That's so how God is. You're, you're in Luke chapter 15. Turn back, one, probably a page in your Bible, to Luke chapter 14. And in Luke chapter 14, uh, you see a, a parable uh, called the parable of the great supper. Uh, it begins up in about verse 16. But the deal is, let's look at it just a moment. It, it, Jesus is said to this group, this is a parable. A certain man gave a great supper and invited many. And then he sent his servant at supper time to say to those who were invited. Now, that seems strange to you and me, but not if you think about it. Many times, Dottie and I will get a little card in the mail. Someone announces their wedding date, and it'll just say something like, save the date. The wedding's way out yonder. And then later, nearer the wedding, you'll, you'll get another card saying, you know, inviting you to the wedding, telling you all the details you need to know, and all that kind of stuff. So it's kind of a double deal. Well, same situation. The Jewish people understood this perfectly. Uh, they were invited. It's kind of like save the date. When it got near the date, uh, they were reminded of it. And, of course, we won't take time to read that parable. But as you know, uh, many decided not to show up, not to come. And if you look down in verse 24, it's one of the most severe statements you'll ever read in the New Testament, what Jesus says. It's, it's a sombering thing. And he's talking about those who have rejected the invitation. What they've done, they've excluded themselves. And look in verse 24, what Jesus said. He said, I say to you that none of those men who were invited, that is, who've excluded themselves, they didn't come, shall taste my supper. And how that works out in life today, see, there are many people that reject the offer that God makes to be saved. And what they do, they just exclude themselves from the invitation. You know, the Bible says God's not willing that any should perish. But what happens is some people reject God's invitation. Kind of like the son in, in the parable in chapter 15. He, he just rejected the invitation. Now, as you read the story, it never says what the son did. We never know if the son went on into the banquet, the party, or didn't go. But all we do know is, if you look at it very carefully, he, he just, it just ends there. But I hope, I hope he went in. I, but here's the point. 
People that reject God will one day themselves be rejected. And our job is to tell people about God's redemptiveness, about God's unconditional love, and, and, and go the extra mile and plead with those, go out into the highway and the hedges, not, not pressuring people, but compelling people realizing what's at stake, because what is at stake is eternity. It's a person's soul. You know, it, it's just, you know, it, it's just, it, it's just, it's overwhelming to me to think a person could die lost for eternity, separated from God in hell. Well, I, I would say to you this morning, in fact, you're here, I would hope, would say that you know when you die, you're going to heaven. And if you're not sure of that, in a moment, we'll have a prayer for that. But as I read this and think about, you know, what are we fathers told so many times? Be a good example. Every father should be a good example. We, we all should be, but we'll focus on fathers. Well, think about something. You can't be something that you're not. I can't be a good example unless I am what I'm trying to be. And so the question this morning is really not what kind of example are you as a father, a mother, a brother, a sister, a man or a woman, or a son or a daughter. The, the real bottom line question is, you know, what are you? Like, if, if I'm faithful, then I'll be a good example. If, if I do what the Bible teaches the best I can, if you... We'll be good examples. Now, the whole issue is we can't be a good example. We can live a morally good life, but we can't be the example of a godly father, godly mother, godly son, godly daughter, uh, unless we have the Holy Spirit of God living in us. Could I have an amen to that? And so this morning, what I want you to do is bow with me for a moment. I was thinking this morning, as I was thinking about this scripture and what we were going to look, I thought, you know, I know for sure, I have complete peace that when I die, I'm going to heaven. Because as a little boy, the Holy Spirit of God spoke to my heart. I did not understand then, and I'm not sure I understand much now about that. But I knew it was real, and I trusted Jesus. My question to you this morning is not whether you're a church member. My question this morning is, do you know for absolute certain that you have placed your faith and trust in Jesus Christ alone for your salvation? And if you're not sure of that, on this Sunday morning, June, what a great time to settle that. Right now, just say, Lord Jesus, I want to be certain when I die, I'm going to heaven. And it, I just don't have complete peace about that. Some might say this morning, watching or in the room. I know I've never had that. I've never had that experience. 
Well, this morning, if you feel something inside of you that seems to be persuading you that you need to settle that, that's the Holy Spirit convicting you. Just ask the Lord to forgive you of your sins, come into your life, make you a Christian. And then say, God, help me, help me to live as an example of a godly father, godly mother, godly son, godly daughter, whatever. But the big issue is have Jesus in our heart. Others this morning, you say, Pastor, I'm like you at this point. I I have complete peace, not because of my righteousness, but because of his righteousness. I have complete peace. I'm going to heaven. That's a great, that's a great thing to, great thing to know. Well, maybe God's telling some today, what you need to do is follow him in your baptism. Or maybe some today, God's saying, what you need to do is come join this church and be part of what God's doing in the life of this church. Father, in a moment, we'll have opportunity to do that. But God, I thank you. I thank you, God, that you are our supreme example of godliness, of holiness. And God, we, we, won't, we won't get to your level, not in this life. But God, all of us today, men, women, matters not, sons and daughters, we all can get a step nearer and another step nearer. God, help us to do that. Help us to grow, God, to know you better and to love you more is my prayer in Jesus' name. Amen.